You're listening to Siren Radio. It's that time of the week when we do our magic with the Internet and various bits of very clever software and hope that we creak open an electronic door, which brings us the bathing, beautiful sunlight of the uplands that are Woodland Hills and Los Angeles and the Man Cave. And is Bruce K. Rosenblum there? Yes, I am. And it's a very beautiful day here, actually. Um, it's supposed to get to um, up to 86 degrees Fahrenheit this afternoon. So it's going to be a warm one. Although the, 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 in the morning, you, it looked like a traditional overcast Christmas day. So, um, right. But, so, but it's interesting. So, you know, so as long as we're on the subject of climate, um, let's, let's talk a little bit about what's happening at the COP26. Uh, Absolutely. Because we had. Barack Obama, your your president, your former president, who came to address the the nations who are gathered there. Yeah, and, and for me this week, uh, as it relates to climate, I have three takeaways. The first is alarming statistics put out by a, a climate watchdog that talked about um, by the year 2030, um, global warming levels increasing 2.4 degrees Celsius, um, which to me is a huge problem. <laughs> and, and from what I'm hearing, global warming um, if it continues and we don't put a lid on it, uh, it could be dangerous for um, our, our children and grandchildren in, in years to come. And so I, I you know, I'm, I'm hearing that um, there are many countries in, in uh, details of, of agreements to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius by 20 by 2030. So let's hope hope that countries can come together as it relates to electric vehicles and uh, in, in emissions and, and, and whatever else we're all spewing into the into the environment that's that's causing the global warming to to increase. And let's hope we, let's hope these countries can can come to their senses and do some some good deals to to help to help all of us uh, stay healthy and, and and avoid some of the the tremendous uh, weather um, conditions that we're seeing as it relates to to wind and rain and snow and, and the drying up of, of lakes and, and streams and, and all that good stuff. Um, the other thing is um, the takeaway was Obama was there. You're right. And um, he was there to to help um, America in terms of its credibility with um, what we plan on doing to to help and, and to contribute towards um, cleaner air, clean water and, 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 and keeping uh, the, the climate uh crisis under control. Um, and, and basically, you know, he pulled out, pulled no punches in uh, referring to Trump. I don't think he mentions Trump by name ever, but um, he apologized for the U.S. under the previous administration for pulling out of the Paris Agreement and said, which set off four years of active hostility towards climate science. But he also took aim at China and Russia for, for skipping the meeting and, 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 and kind of goosing them to do more as well. And um, what's interesting is the third takeaway is China, because uh, as, as you and I you know, were surprised to hear, um, China yesterday in the U.S. announced um, an agreement to work together to increase climate ambitions. But as you and I both know, uh, that doesn't mean the goals of the U.S. and China are the same. And one caveat here is that China did not commit to the global methane pledge, which has been spearheaded by the U.S. and the European Union. So 
It was, um, it was fascinating no. when, when John Kerry stood up and made that announcement yesterday because was, you could hear almost a, a sharp intake of breath from around the, the hall that he, he, they had come to this at the very, almost the 11th hour. Um, and apparently, according to John Kerry, uh, your president, Joe Biden, had been in conversations with the premier of China for a couple of weeks about this. I mean, th there is a great gulf, isn't there? And you've just said it. There is a gulf between what uh, China says and perhaps what it does and indeed in the relationship between China and the United States. So we'll just have to watch and see what actually comes out of this. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, as well as I do, and uh, you know, actions speak louder than words. Yes. And, you know, according to, you know, Obama and according to most experts, the U.S. Um, has a long way to go to build back its credibility here. So, you know, we'll see what actions take place. I, I believe under Joe Biden, um, you know, his, his campaign pledge was um, getting the climate crisis under control. I, I think his actions will speak loudly. Um, we shall see. Yeah. Michelle, and we'll talk about President Biden in a wee bit, but former president, uh, the Capitol riot, things are happening here. Um, the, uh, the legal people are getting a bit tough and handing out subpoenas like it's confetti by the look of things. Yeah. Well, judges are handing out some stiffer sentences to some of the rioters that, that, that hurt police officers and kill police officers. Um, they're getting they're getting longer sentences. And. Um, the committee, the January 6th committee to investigate the insurrection is uh, getting tougher. They're handing out a lot of subpoenas, um, a lot of high profile ones. Stephen Miller and uh, one of um, a close senior advisor to Trump, Kaylee McEnany, his former press secretary, uh, General Flynn, Steve Bannon. There's a whole list of big names that are now being subpoenaed. And Trump documents are, are being subpoenaed from the National Archives. And Trump has been... Um, doing everything he can to stonewall those turning over of those hundreds and hundreds of pages of documents from his time in office, which could, you know, really kind of clearly lay out what the heck was going on in his head, you know, in, 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 in conversations with people close to him um, about what he was doing and what he was thinking on that day. But he's been trying to stonewall that. He's claiming executive privilege. And most legal scholars, you know, will say that he's not president, so he has no executive privilege anymore on this. And a, a federal judge just ruled against Trump um, in the first first step in this process, you know, basically, you know, saying he's not a king and he's not the current president, so he has no executive <laughs> privilege. And so they expect pages of, of documents to be turned over um, to the House as, as soon as tomorrow. But he's still he's still appealing um, those decisions. He's he's you know got many avenues to appeal, you know, probably all the way up to the Supreme Court, and that's his typical mo on it when it comes to um, things like this. He just you know drags it out, drags it out, drags it out. And and in this particular case, you know his strategy, you know it's it's pretty obvious what his strategy is. Let's delay this and keep appealing it as long as we can because by next year, if the Republicans take back the House. This committee goes away, you know. So, you know, so I think that's that's his end game. Hold this thing as long as possible. It, it, it is really unsettling, isn't it, that, you know, we've only just got into President Joe Biden's term of office and we're now looking at potential change of power um, because this really moves us on to the, the next subject, which is uh, Joe Biden's uh, present situation. Um, the one point two trillion bill got through, but it got through with um, Republicans, 13, I think you told me, um, mm -hmm. who, who voted with uh, the Democrats. Um, but they're now 
uh, being targeted um, very unpleasantly, aren't they? Yeah, it, it's it's unbelievable what what the Republican Party is is stooping to in just trying to maintain the divide within this country. Um, you know, you got Biden with his lowest you know approval rating in three quarters of the people saying the country's moving in the wrong direction. But it's basically because of what Republicans are doing. And, and this is a prime example. 13 Republicans who voted for President Biden's $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill are facing retaliation from their own party. <laughs> I mean, these, these people wanted to do what's right for their constituents. Job creation, better roads, better bridges, clean air, clean water, electrical grids. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And, and some conservative House Republicans have discussed booting these 13 colleagues from committees, although they're unlikely to succeed. And then you got Trump weighing in, calling these people rhinos, which is the common GOP insult, Republicans in name only. Oh, I see. And, That's very clever. Yeah. And he says that, you know, uh, he said in a statement that all who voted for Democrat longevity should be ashamed of themselves. You know, Biden has chastised GOP retaliation efforts, and he hopes to get back to some sort of civility. And, you know, but, you know, it's, you know, he he got it. I mean, he's getting it done, but it is just it, it's it's tough. And in and, and this bill, while it may take years for some of these projects covered in the bill to get underway, initial funds could be released as soon as six months from now, uh, providing a jolt to a backlog of projects that have been you know, lining up across the country. I mean, every day Trump said that there was some infrastructure thing coming. It was coming. It was coming. And it never did. The same as a new health care plan. Everything Trump talked about never happened. He delivered he delivered on virtually nothing um, when he was president in terms of big picture um, improvements for the country in terms of health care and infrastructure. And Biden is now, you know, doing he he's delivered on his um, pandemic promise. He's delivered now on his infrastructure promise and his build back build back America promise will get passed. He's got some big wins. But, you know, for, for whatever reason. People still think the country's going in the wrong direction. And of course, well, it's not yeah. it's not helped by the current uh, financial situation and the supply chain situation and things like that, because right. um, he, he's 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 inherited that because there was you know, it was it was a train that was still running down the track when he was going for election. He couldn't stop it. And he's just had to leap into the engine compartment right. to try and do something about it. Right. So. So these these interlocking problems that you talked about, the lingering pandemic and the supply chain, are both contributing to in, in soaring inflation now in this country, and and that's where he's you know that's where the opening Republicans are using now to to attack him, because we're seeing price hikes from anywhere from from gasoline to bread to meat, and prices are soaring 6.2 percent. Uh, prices rose six, more than 6.2% in October, up 0.9% from September, and up significantly from last year. And, <clears throat> you know, in a, in, an inf in a president who served during inflationary times, it's a no-win situation because there's no quick fix for this. No. I mean, you can go back to Gerald Ford, who inherited uh, an inflationary presidency from Richard Nixon. And they created a campaign called WIN. Remember, whip inflation now. Everybody was wearing <laughs> buttons of WIN. You know, and um, and, 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 and and Gerald Ford, you know, just, you know, he had to weather the storm and get through it. And then Jimmy Carter, when he became president, um, was facing huge um, uh, fuel 
um, heating oil and fuel price in- increases. And I think during Jimmy Carter, we had, you know, the gas rationing that went on. It was crazy. You couldn't get gas and prices were going through the, through the roof. And, um, and he was seen, you know, wearing cardigan sweaters and, and trying to look like the everyman and encouraging Americans to turn down their thermostats to save on, on using up precious fuel for, for heating. And, and, and so, I mean, but, you know, Biden, he doesn't have any wind campaign. He doesn't have, you know, he hasn't donned, uh, donned a, a cardigan sweater, you know, but, you know, but he's got to be careful because he can't, he can't tell people that this is just a temporary problem that will get back, you know, things are going to be, be fixed and fixed soon because there is no quick answer to this. No. And, you know, and it's, it, it's, <clears throat> to, to be fair, and it, it doesn't help, but it is something which is affecting not just the United States, but it's affecting the United Kingdom. It's affecting Europe. It's affecting the world because yeah. we've been caught in this. It's a double whammy. It's, it's the vaccine and climate change. And right. the two together uh, are making us head towards an Armageddon that I don't think either you or I had any vision of when we were growing up in the 1960s. No. And, and, and when you tell people the problem is temporary and the black cloud doesn't lift. Oh, you're 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 dead. You're dead in the water. You're, you're, you look disingenuous and um, you're destined to failure. So he's got to be careful what he says about this. And he's got to you know, he's got to weather the storm somehow. Uh, so, you know, he's got to continue to focus on, you know, the pandemic. He's got to figure out how to get this, you know, how to get these ships into ports and get this product distributed and into the stores. Um, so it's a it's a you know, it, it, this guy has stepped into more, um, you know, fields of, of, of cow dung than any than any president <laughs> uh, in, in the history of our country. Very or any, yeah. Or any leader for that matter. I mean, it's just been one thing after the other with making progress you know it's it's nice to, but it's still nice i gotta tell you you know he's not even one year into his presidency he's got three more years to go but it's so nice to wake up without all the noise and all the fires that are that, that were created under the previous administration with nasty tweets and just you know if it wasn't one thing it was another and you know with this this president's a calming force i mean he's got issues to deal with and there's no question about that and unfortunately, you know, two things that he's dealing with are are lingering problems that, that any president will have has had in the past and will probably have in the future. The border being one. And then how do you how do you end a war being the other? You know, there was no there was no good solution to Afghanistan. Things could have been done a little, you know, probably been done a little bit more organized, a little bit better. But as you and I both know, getting out of a situation like that is a no win because. It's never going to go smoothly and it's never going to go exactly as planned. And, and something is, something is always bound to go wrong. And unfortunately it did. And that, that put a stain on him. But again, we're only, we're not, I mean, we're not even one year in. We're getting close to the one year anniversary, but we're not even one year in. And, and look at what he's gotten done. I mean, you know, it's a perfect segue into the coronavirus because, um, we've had, you know, globally now, um, about 4 billion people have gotten at least one dose of a COVID vaccine. And about 3.1 billion are fully vaccinated, uh, according to, to sources here. So, um, you know, <clears throat> to get that, 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 that vaccine into the pipeline, not only across, you know, our country, but across the world was, was huge, was huge. And, um, you know, now, 
you know, <laughs> you know the, the, the crazy thing is that um, the biggest problem that, that we have here in our country with COVID, you know what it is? No. It's, um, it's, it's, it's that nearly 80%, according to a Kaiser Family Foundation study, nearly 80% of Americans have been exposed to false claims about COVID-19, with the most common claim being that the government is exaggerating the COVID-19 death count, and three in 10 respondents in the survey believed or weren't sure about common vaccine misinformation regarding side effects. So if it's not one thing, it's another. I mean, so now we have to fight this whole misinformation campaign out there and if people don't believe that as many people have died from this this pandemic as has been reported. And, and that is just, you know, un- unbelievable. Unbelievable to me. And, you know, and, and, and we're not out of the woods with this thing. No, you know, not at all. We're going into, you know, some winter months. You know, and I've been reading that, um, you know, places in Europe, and you could probably comment on this, uh, with like Berlin set to ban unvaccinated people from restaurants, bars, gyms, uh, beauty shops as of next week. Um, they, um, they're expecting another 500,000 deaths across Europe. That's expected if, if countries don't get things under control. Absolutely. Um, so- and in fact, today in the United Kingdom, uh, and today being Thursday, the 11th of November, if you work in a care home that's looking after seniors, you have to have had your uh, your vaccinations. If you haven't, uh, you can no longer work there. Um, so there in some ways, places they are getting tough on it. But it's a lot of it in the United Kingdom. The expression is bolting the stable door after the horse has left. Um, and it, it's all retrospective stuff. The numbers are going back up again in the infection, that is after the half-term break. And I was only talking to a colleague of mine, a press officer at a a local business, and she was having to work from home again, do homeschooling because her daughter at seven had gone back to school and within three or four days had tested positive to COVID. So we are not out of the uh, out of the mire yet i'm looking yeah. at the time and we are having one or two technical issues the sounds coming and going uh, yeah. there's one more story i just wanted to touch on um but before, the... before you do that before you do i just want to note that the information i gave about the, the billions of shots and vaccines was world health organization data i didn't just make that up so absolutely no, we wouldn't and we know you research very heavily for this this sequence american cousins is what you're listening to it's being recorded at 25 minutes past four on the 11th of november um you've been talking a bit last week about the governorship that was lost to the democrats in virginia and there's been a bit of a fallout um elsewhere um because it there were some statements made about education and the way parents could influence the curriculum. But apparently you were telling me, and this is the, the bit that's just got me reeling all the way through listening to you, that Texas is looking to ban some books in schools. Well, you know, pornography in school libraries are being is being targeted in Texas now. And it's just a cover for rooting out. They're saying it's a cover for rooting out content. And stories um, that were that are written by um, minorities and in particular LGBTQT um, authors, and um, the, the the kinds of the, the kinds of stories. You know what what the definition of pornography is still is still kind of unclear to me, but it's it's kind of the 
the the wedge for them to go in and investigate books that are in live in school libraries and anything that um that seems to to center around um you know stories that have any kind of sexual overtone um even prize winning authors are are being you know are are subject to this investigation and 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 their books are are being threatened to be pulled out of libraries so yeah you know, it, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of like you know then it's 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 almost like um this whole censorship issue now is starting to come back into play yeah. and and what can and can what what students can and cannot be exposed to in schools and a lot of people are just saying that it's just the real intent is to excise stories about by and about minorities and LGBTQ. And and it's um it's it's a dangerous precedent that's being set here. And it's almost it's almost kind of like the book burning, you know, that we heard about back in the 1930s. You know, yeah. Like 30s. And, and, and censorship, you know, somebody commented that censorship, plain and simple, um, appeasement of censors only encourages more censorship. And that's what seems to be happening here. Um, they're allowing school boards and parents now to start to control the message and control the curriculums. And that was what happened. That's what happened in Virginia to to McAuliffe versus Youngkin there. It wasn't really all about Trump. The big issue that, that came to the forefront was that McAuliffe made a kind of an off-the-cuff remark that parents should not be involved in, in, in school boards as it relates to creating curriculum for, for students. And that just got, you know, the suburban moms, you know, and, you know, just really teed off to the to the high heavens there. And they said, you know, nobody's going to tell us that we can't have input into what our children are being taught in school. But the fact of the matter is that um, that was a bad thing for them to say because the Republicans then seized on that. And now the Democrats are the ones that don't want parental involvement in creating school curriculum. And the Republicans are like this pro-parent, you know, on the school board thing. Well, well, first of all, school boards are primarily made up. They're in local communities and they're primarily made up of parents who want involvement in that. And they generally Absolutely. run for school boards. So you know, school board members are generally parents to begin with. So. But, you know, you don't really realize that you look at them as political leaders or political figures, not just parents who got on the school board. To make things better for, you know, for the educational system in their in their community. So it's becoming a little bit of a political football. But Texas, the governor there is using it as a way to again, it's it's almost like this way of of suppressing people of color and their stories. It's not really about pornography. Come on, let's 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 be clear on that. It's it's about rooting out um, minorities and 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 the LGBTQ community and 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 the message that that they're putting out there. And you know, again, you know that train has left the station. But yeah. we're trying to take America backwards here. So it'll it'll be interesting to see what they can. It will. But it's a dangerous it's a dangerous dangerous precedent. I like so, and 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 one of the things you, that is going to stick with me is you say basically more censorship begats more censorship. The more you you open it up, the more it becomes um, something that people want to control. So uh, that's a f that's very interesting. And it it, it t today has been plagued by one or two technical issues. So I'm so sorry if the audio quality hasn't been quite as crisp as we normally have on the American Cousins. But uh, these issues that we've, we've moved from through COP26, the uh, Capitol riots, what's facing Joe Biden, and finally book censorship um, paints an interesting and 
a darker picture of life that perhaps you and I would have hoped we could have seen at this part of the 21st century. Yes, it's, um, you know, again, you know, I'm I'm 67 years old now, and I think I'm as still naive as I've ever been. (laughs) Because I kind of thought we were past a lot of this stuff. I thought in the 21st century being connected technologically, it would be bring us all together closer and we could do more good for the world by by being connected. But it just seems that no way you know, we use this for misinformation. And we use it for scare tactics and we use it to keep the country divided. And, you know, it's um, you know, it's a little worrisome, but yeah, know, hopefully, good. hopefully cooler heads and clearer minds will prevail going forward. And, uh, yeah. Well, and we'll, it, we'll get this straightened out. Eventually, Maybe you and I can lead that. You and I can lead that charge. Yeah, I think so. You for president, me for prime minister. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. No, we'll, we'll go with that. But Bruce, couldn't be any you. worse than what we currently got. <laughs> I wouldn't. Just be careful. Uh, <laughs> Bruce K. Rosenblum, thank you so much indeed for uh, spending time with us here on Siren Radio. I will put some more money in the meter in the hope that this time next week, the little hamster on the wheel can keep things going a little bit more securely than we have for this week. But uh, for the moment, thank you very much indeed. Keep safe and we'll speak to you this time next week. And you do the same, Andrew. And uh, my love and uh, best wishes to everybody up in Lincoln. Hope to see you soon.